Guys, we actually have a game in the Big Ten that's worth talking about today. Roll tape. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome back along to another episode of the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes, along with Garrett Turney, Trey Reeves, back from the East Coast. I'm Mitch Mason. Uh, Trey, what was your favorite part of uh, of being out in the Capitol? Okay, definitely wasn't my favorite part, but just, you know, everybody knows that Maryland does crab cakes and football, right? I get off of a train into Maryland. And it smells like crab cakes. I, I wish I was kidding. And it wasn't like the most pleasant smell in the world. It was very overwhelming when you get off of a train and that's what hits you. But crab cakes and football, maybe less so on the football last weekend after Illinois kind of beat them down. But uh, sorry about that, Garrett. But definitely holds up on the crab cakes part. I, I don't know which one of y'all did it, but somebody broke my turtles. Okay, y'all need to fix this. I was not the one that picked them. So no. I uh, it was it was me that picked them. Um, <laughs> listen, you know, you guys recorded the ledger segment. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to look at your picks. I had to to send mine in, um, not posthumously. I'm still alive, but I had to send mine in remotely. Uh, so very curious to get to that. But I just dis, full disclaimer. That's the all jinx special, baby. Like I literally picked some of those games in mind. Going okay, if I'm wrong. Like, is my college football fandom kind of happy about it? Yeah. And so at that point, like, that's that's all I can ask for, right? Um, but it could uh, be a superpower. Like, you could you could use that power for good. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, we may have to figure out how to weaponize it down the stretch here. Um, if you're new to the podcast on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, haven't checked out the ledger. It's our weekly betting segment. We we gamble a hundred nuggies every single week. So head on over and check that out. Um, also, if you're new here, please give us a subscribe on YouTube, like the podcast, follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify. It really helps us continue to grow. Uh, we have been welcoming new fans, uh, certainly new members, new Jimmies and Joes to the club, especially over on the YouTube side. We would love to continue to do that. We'd love to talk ball with you. If uh, you are uh, haven't been able to, to join us on Saturday nights, we do a live show most Saturday nights, sometimes on a Sunday. We had to do it on Sunday this last week. But a live show, reacting to the full slate of games, uh, we talk ball with you, we take your questions, and uh, and just chat with you all through through the uh, through the late evening, early morning. Uh, guys, full slate, of course, very quickly. Shout out to uh, the Transfer Portal CFB and our, our our great friends over at HomeFieldApparel.com. Some of the best t-shirts, hoodies, hats, you name it. They've got the brands. I'm repping uh, part of their Iowa collection uh, right now on the pod. And uh, yeah, they're the most comfortable shirts in the game, plain and simple. Be the most interesting fan at your tailgate. Use code 3TECHPOD to get 15% off your first order. Uh, I, I wasn't kidding when I said that we finally have a Big Ten game 
worth talking about for how many weeks now? Literally seven weeks. We've been talking about Michigan. We've been talking about Ohio State just taking care of lesser opponents. Ohio State played uh, Notre Dame. That was a great game and, uh, and a great win for Ohio State. But boy, for the likes of Michigan and Penn State, it has been directional tech that they've just drubbed, or in some cases kind of struggled with. Uh, I'm looking at you, Penn State. So uh, we're going to lead off our big three here with our game of the week, and it's Ohio State, third-ranked team in the country against Penn State. They're welcoming the Nittany Lions to town. This is the 11 a.m. kick on Fox. Ohio State favored by four. And, and guys, when I look at this game, there are so many questions uh, for me that stand out. Number one, I think the overwhelming question, certainly in my camp, is, is Penn State legitimate? I began this season by asking, if if not now, then when for Penn State, right? They have all the talent. Uh, James Franklin, supposedly an elite coach, right? If he is going to win a game on the road, a top 10 opponent, a top five opponent, it's got to start this week. James Franklin is one and eight against Ohio State. The only win came back in 2016 when he uh, upset the Buckeyes at home. I'll, I'll throw this to you guys. And, and Trey, maybe if you want to start here, let's look at the X's and O's. If James Franklin is going to kind of shun his past reputation in some of these big conference games, what should be we be looking forward to? To me, it's how this really talented Penn State secondary lines up with the extremely talented Ohio State receivers. And can Kyle McCord get the ball into their hands and find those tight windows? Probably gets the best secondary he's going to face all season. So, you know, that's been what's been holding this Ohio State team back. The chemistry, just for whatever reason, hasn't been there between Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka, um, the rest of that talented receiving core. It's just been inconsistent, right? We've seen when it's clicked. There's been a few times this year that we've seen a few of the old old uh, Ohio State-esque bomb touchdowns to these talented receivers, but that consistent, uh, that compatibility or that timing or just something has been off and been inconsistent uh, with the chemistry between Kyle McCord and his receivers so far this year. And it's not going to get any easier this week. We, we talk about, you know, just every every year – it seems like Penn State's going to put a cornerback at the top of the draft, right? And that's no different this year. They have great secondary, great talent back there, and it's going to be a huge challenge for this Ohio State offense that wants to move the ball down the field vertically, but just hasn't really been able to consistently so far this year. Penn State's pass defense tops in the country. They're allowing just 121 yards. Uh, one one uh, coach coordinator who had faced Ohio State uh, said in the athletic article this week, if you can stop Marvin Harrison Jr., if you can stop him, if you can prevent the offense from running through him, you've got a chance. And that certainly has seemed somewhat relevant this season. Now, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., it's, it's not like he hasn't been uh, productive, right? 31 catches, 604 yards, five touchdowns. He's still gotten his, but I think when we look at has he been an X factor, I don't know if we can answer that, quite honestly, because Ohio State, outside of their win over Notre Dame, where nobody passed well, uh, McCord and Sam Hartman were held under 200 yards passing each in that game. Outside of that matchup, we haven't really seen 
uh, Marv get tested, right? And he's disappeared in some games. Facing the number one passing defense, which may be propped up by some bad passing offenses, I'll grant you that. But still, we highlighted this Penn State secondary as a difference maker coming into play this season. So far, they've lived up uh, to the billing. Garrett, on the other side, you've got two very interesting pass rushes that will be going up against each other. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these are two really, really solid defenses, uh, and and they rely a lot on pass rush. Um, Look, you don't get to be, respectively, it's Penn State's the second scoring defense, and then for Ohio State, it's the third. You don't get to be in that spot if you don't have solid defensive efforts. I don't care who you play. I don't care that, you know, for Penn State, they ain't played nobody, but it's Iowa, right? Like, you know, I I get it. You ain't played nobody, Paul, but at the same time, you you still would put up more points on a bad defense or on an average defense. These are two really, really solid defenses, and you're right. They rely on the pass rush. Both of them have really solid secondaries. They have athletes across the field, uh, and that's, I think, what's going to make this so interesting is because when you look at both quarterbacks – that there's comparisons between the two, right? Drew Aller, McCord, both, you know, less experience. Um, you know, obviously McCord's been in the system a little bit longer. He's a little bit older, but this is both of their first chance really at getting the Rams as the number one guy in their offense. Um, and, and both guys have played pretty similarly, you know, McCord with, you know, a little bit more passing yards. Um, Aller still hasn't thrown a pick. And so we're kind of looking at that as a, as a situation there. But I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm saying against two really solid defenses, how are these guys going to look, right? You've got Penn State. They played Iowa. That's a really good defense. If you've got Ohio State, you've played uh, Notre Dame. That's a really good defense, right? And so you've played good defenses on both sides, and the quarterbacks have stepped up. I'm curious to see now that they go against each other, and you actually have to put this one on the field, which pass rush gets home and pressures the the inexperienced quarterback? Who gives them the interesting look that confuses them and forces a bad throw? Maybe turns it into an interception. You know what? What do we do uh, for either of those situations? So I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Uh, I think we're going to have a relatively low scoring game. Uh, you know, this isn't financial advice, but I'd probably hammer the under in this one um, and, and just go ahead and say that you know there's not going to be loads of points, but it, it's going to matter. There's going to be loads of big plays offensively. Uh, even if it doesn't always translate into touchdowns. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. I do, I do tend to like the under there. Penn State's offense. I know they hung what sixty three on the Minutemen last weekend, uh, but in the bigger spots, Aller has not thrown for a ton of yardage. Penn State's offense certainly hasn't lit it up. Uh, the guys to watch certainly on the defensive side. Chop Robinson is an All American kind of guy, an early round draft pick. From Penn State, five tackles for loss, three sacks. On the other side, you have JT Tumaloa and Jack Sawyer, the dynamic edge rushing duo from Ohio State. Numbers aren't gaudy this season, right? JT, four tackles for loss. He's got three sacks. Jack Sawyer only has one sack to his name this season. Ohio State's pass rush is only actually 69th in the country. Meanwhile, Penn State has a top 10 unit. So to me, advantage 
uh, Penn State there. One other thing to kind of keep in mind before we make our picks in this game, Penn State, when they've looked vulnerable this season, it's been by running on them, and specifically by running up the middle. Ohio State was down to their fourth string running back in a game against Purdue last week. You had Chip Trainum leave. Traven Henderson injured, missed the game, might be coming back. His status is at this point, as we're recording this on a Tuesday night, unknown. Uh, but Trey, let's kick this off. Given the fact that Ohio State, at the very least, won't have a healthy, a fully healthy running back room, the Buckeyes are favored by four at home. Which way are you leaning? It's so hard to beat Ohio State in Columbus, but I kind of fe- get the feeling that Penn State's going to knock them off this weekend. I'm I'm leaning towards Penn State, definitely plus four. I'm tempted to pick out right, but I, I think Penn State definitely covers a four-point spread. I think it's going to be another you know game similar to the Notre Dame game for Ohio State. I think you're going to see a lot more, for whatever reason, tough grinded-out wins for Ohio State this year. And this is going to be, if they get this win, it's going to be a very tough, hard-fought win. So give me Penn State plus four. Oh, it feels great to have you on the bandwagon. We can be sad together when this inevitably is a blowout for Ohio State. (laughs) Man, well, leave it to me to be the Ohio State defender. Joe, shout out you, bud. I'm I'm on the bandwagon this weekend. I know that I'm the hater on this pod, but I think that Ohio State's the better team. If you look at the numbers right now between – both of them, I, I think, you know, McCord has been the better of the two quarterbacks. Um, he's been extremely efficient. His passer rating is like 20 points higher. Um, and I, I think that he's going to get it done. I think he's going to be able to go on the road. I think that there's no way that in this game, Marvin Harrison Jr. disappears. I just don't think you can disappear in this game. And when he's on, he's uncoverable. He just really can't be. I don't care how good your corners are on the other side. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is on, you can't cover him. I think he's going to have a big game. I don't think that he's going to be quite as good as your boy Rome up there, Mitch. I'm not disrespecting Washington. Not. I'm not coming up against him. But I do think this is a huge game, breakout game for him. Um, and, and I do think that Ohio State wins this one. Not comfortably, but they'll cover the four points. Maybe give him a touchdown. I'm also rolling with Penn State. They were my playoff pick, my Big Ten champion before the season. And so, as I mentioned, on one hand, I think, oh, gosh. I don't know that Penn State's really shown me what I I need to see to just whole hog believe in them. But then I thought of that Ted Lasso meme where he's pointed at the believe sign, and I said, you know what, guys, we're going to believe in something tonight. I haven't gotten much right when it comes to the ledger, but when it has actually come to just outright winners, uh, I'm well above 500 this year. So I've got some, some sort of juice and I'm going to ride with my preseason playoff pick. I'm going to say the Nittany Lions find a way to get this done. Katron Allen's going to have to be huge for them in the running game. This cannot be the Drew Aller show. We do need to see Aller step up, have have a moment in the sun. He needs to have some sort of highlight to go on Twitter. But Penn State's going to have to be very balanced in how they move the football. I like their defense more than Ohio State's. Plain and simple. Um, it is on the road. It is a gutsy pick. Uh, but I like Penn State to win this game, so I'll take them uh, plus the four. Guys, let's go to the SEC. And, uh, boy, there are some hot takes flying around the Internet right now. A lot of the SEC is bad takes, which um, I cannot support. Uh, I think that's just, you know, angry fan bases who have been waiting on on the SEC to, to go into some sort of lull to pounce. I think the rumors of the SEC's demise are greatly exaggerated, but there's no doubt. 
conference is not as elite as it has been in years past. Two teams that are trying to hold on to the reputation this year, number 11, Alabama, number 19, Tennessee. This is a CBS primetime game on uh, on at 2.30. Alabama currently a nine-point favorite as we're recording this. Uh, guys, neither team has looked all that impressive. Alabama started to steamroll Arkansas last week, and then they just stopped scoring points. Uh, Joe Milton was one for seven, I think, for four yards in the fourth quarter last week, which is not winning football. Tennessee, uh, we watched this in person as they beat Texas A&M. That was the least impressive showing from a victorious team as I've seen in quite some time. Uh, it's really hard to know who Tennessee is right now. Joe Milton didn't even throw for 100 yards last week. So, Garrett, let's start with you. Make some sense of this game. I mean, one of the X's and O's that we put in the run sheet was literally Joe Milton versus himself. Yeah, it look, neither of these teams are particularly elite at passing the football this year. And I was actually kind of surprised because, you know, we've talked about on this podcast, Jalen Milrow is not him when it comes to passing the football. Well, except but, for that one week. <laughs> well, but Joe Milton's even worse, guys. Like when you look at the stats, Milrow's passed the ball 50 fewer times than Milton has. And he's got like 130 more passing yards and an extra touchdown to him. He's got a 40 point higher rating than than Milton does. It, it's it's not looking good for the Tennessee passing offense, and that's put on display by the fact that you can compare their you know recent success against AM. Against AM, Alabama found a matchup they liked and they exploited it with you know, you know, Tremaine Burton. He you know did his thing and you know Milrow passed all over him. And and Milton wasn't able to take advantage of it. They didn't have anybody that they wanted to key in on, they didn't take advantage of the of the pass game. And that's just kind of how this ended up working. And so, you know, when I look at this passing attack, I I'm really curious to see if either team's going to get it going because both teams have good pass rush. You know, both teams are able to get after the quarterback. I, this is another game that I love the under on because I just don't think that, you know, the, the Tennessee pass attack is going to be strong enough to, to you know, to, to put up a lot of points. They find all their success in running. They rush more than they pass this year. They have more rushing yards per game than passing yards per game. Are you going to be able to do that against the dogs that Alabama has? I don't know. I don't think so. Probably they're not going to be able to do it as successfully as they have in the past. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not seeing where the offense is coming from for Tennessee this week. They have some talent, but I just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. It's wild to think about when you think about how this game was last year in Knoxville, just flying up and down the field, Points galore, super exciting offensive shootout. I think it's fair to say we might get the diametric opposite to that this year. I'm not saying it's going to be nine to six or anything like that, but I mean, I think it's going to look way more Iowa Rutgers than Tennessee, Alabama from 2021, uh, 2022, excuse me. So, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. One thing that I am really focused in on is did Alabama's offensive line find something? in the second half of that game against AM. Because if you look at the first half versus the second half, maybe it was just fatigue from the AM defensive line uh, being asked to blitz every single down. Maybe it was, you know, they found something in that particular game that worked out, but the Alabama offensive line made some sort of adjustment. It, it's an adjustment in the coverage, adjustment and sliding more uh, protection in there for Jalen Milrow. Will they continue to do that? Will that uh, adjusted protection continue to work against a Tennessee pass rush that 
when you look at the statistics, is just as good, if not maybe even a little better statistically than what AM's put on the field so far this year. So it's yep. going to be a really interesting matchup, and that's going to decide the game for me. If Alabama can continue to figure that out, even if they don't at first, right? We saw that first half against AM where they did not have an answer for that AM pass rush, but. Mm-hmm. Their coaching staff has always been good at under Nick Saban at making adjustments, figuring things out on the fly when game plans aren't working. And I think we see that again this week. I think Alabama is going to have a plan to protect protect Milrow despite facing yet another really big pass rush against a lackluster O-line. Alabama's third in the country in sacks. They have 26. Tennessee is fifth in the country. They have 24. So the pass rushes are going to be so fun to watch this week. Uh, you guys are both on the under, and that means for any of our our listeners who are looking for, you know, somewhere to put your hard earned nuggies, uh, probably go with that because I picked the over uh, for Alabama Tennessee in the ledger. I I have this feeling, um, and maybe the spotty senses are off, but I have this feeling that in a rivalry in the third weekend in October, we throw logic and reason out the window, and and look. Tennessee can score. They just haven't done it through the air necessarily. Can they? Are we sure about that? We well, listen, hypothetically, uh, we were we were led to believe that Jalen Hooker could score. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt could score. Wow, that's that's very fair. You know, one of my kind of X factors uh in, in the Jimmies and Joes is Squirrel Light, right? They they talked him up nonstop on the broadcast last week. And then I dove into the stats and he's not been spectacular this year. He had like 300 yards receiving coming into this game. He's only averaging 10.5, but that being said, the big play ability is still there. He was honestly a shoelace away from breaking two or three big plays against A&M a week ago. I, I just, I get this feeling that Alabama will be able to score because any competent offense with a pulse should be able to score on Tennessee. The way that they played against AM, as long as you got the ball past the line of scrimmage, past that that pass rush coming at you, Tennessee made a lot of mistakes a, a week ago. And, and the Aggies let them off the hook. I think Alabama will be able to score because that that over-under to me is is kind of comically low for what these two offenses have the potential to do. That's why I lean the over. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a back-and-forth game. Jermaine Burton, the other Joe to watch in this, took AM to church uh, two weeks ago. Uh, just blew up a career-high nine catches for all the yards. Only had two catches for 60 yards last week against Arkansas. The Razorbacks held him in check. Can Tennessee do the same, or do we have another explosion offensively? We know Jalen Milrow wants to throw the football down the field. And so for that reason, I don't trust Tennessee's defense. I don't trust their offense to get it done in the long run. I think this is a close rivalry game for a half, and then Alabama starts to pull the way. Uh, I'm going to take Alabama minus the nine points here as uh, the Crimson Tide still control their destiny in the SEC West. This would eliminate Tennessee from the SEC East race. Um, more, more than likely. Uh, but I think Alabama stays in control and I think they're going to find their way to Atlanta once again. Yeah. I don't think it'll be pretty, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think Alabama is going to pull away late. I think it's more of a, you know, Alabama imposing their will late 
and finding a way to score a touchdown or two late in the game to get this cover probably by about 11 to 14 points for me. Yeah, I was going to say something along the same lines. Give me something like 24-13, somewhere in that range. It just feels like a low-scoring one where, you know, we're questioning if Bama has it and, oh, Milrose had kind of a sloppy day and, oh, well, we hadn't really been able to run the football. And then there's a late touchdown and, you know, all of a sudden it went from being, you know, 17-13 to 24-13. Doesn't look as competitive as it really was the whole day. I think it'll be a fun game. Uh, Just think that Bama ends up winning by uh, more than nine in this one. Guys, let's go east. Let's go to the ACC. Number 16, Duke, will uh, play Florida State. Number four-ranked Knowles are 14-point favorites on ABC, 6.30 p.m. Uh, What do we think about Florida State? Uh, Because, you know, they've had their moments where they've looked really good. They've had their moments where they've looked lost without the map to the center of the maze. Uh, Trey Benson has certainly come on strong. It seems like the running game is going in the right direction, but this outside of Clemson where their running game disappeared, this is the best defense that they might play the rest of the way. 14 seems like a big number for the Knowles. Am I, am I wrong there? Well, I think it's definitely factoring in that we still don't know about Riley Leonard, right? Because Mm -hmm. the backup whose name's escaping me right now, um, he, he, he got Elvin the fourth. Yes, I knew it was very dignified with the fourth. Very, very yeah. He he, very he belongs at Duke. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, he got the job done. He got a win last week, but it certainly wasn't a pretty win uh, by any stretch of the imagination on the offensive side of the ball. I think he completed four passes um, throughout that entire game. So, For yeah, two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns, so his touchdown to completion ratio is. He has the same number of passing touchdowns as Riley Leonard this year. (laughs) There you go. They both have three on the season. And you know, if Riley Leonard threw two touchdown passes for every two completion, four completions that he had, I think that stat would be a little different. But, um, listen, I, I think that's built in, right? The uncertainty on Riley Leonard's injury is certainly built into this line. If Riley Leonard plays, you could get a fantastic value at Duke plus 14. And Coach Mike Elko has said he's day-to-day at this point. So who knows? Uh, They tested it out last week. I think he was on the field testing it out, testing out the ankle. So we'll monitor that and keep everybody updated on social media. But um, it's a situation where I trust Duke's defense to a certain extent to – not hold Jordan Travis in check because I don't think that you can completely hold this offense in check. There's too many weapons. There's too many ways that Florida state can beat you, but I don't trust that Florida state can bury Duke completely. I don't trust that Florida state can, you know, completely put the Duke blue doves away one because they haven't really done it so far this year outside of the LSU game. They buried LSU. They've kind of fallen asleep at the wheel a couple times outside of that. But I also think Duke's a team that just doesn't give up and they'll grind away and they'll chip away and they will keep ugly up this game and keep it close. We had a stat a couple weeks ago that Duke, Mike Elko as an underdog, is fantastic against the spread. So that is a more than enough reason, tipping my hand here a little bit, to take Duke plus 14. <laughs> yeah, well, well I, have for no, me, I have no idea which way you're leaning. Yeah, you got to watch this. It's And we have it on the X's and O's. 
can Duke stop the Florida State run game? This has been the reason why Florida State's looked better recently, right? They kind of play with their food with some of these early games. You know, they didn't quite finish off Boston College. You know, you give them a sloppy win. And they play Clemson, and they beat them by a touchdown. But it sure wasn't pretty. And then all of a sudden, you know, last week, you're looking at them, they, you know, smacked the crap out of Syracuse. And, you know, you look at how it happened. Well, they rushed for 191 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So, if the run game is there, I think that their offense can start firing on all cylinders. That's when they're at their best is when they're running the ball, playing off of play action, getting guys open and, and the like. But then I'm looking at Duke and I'm saying, okay, guys like Dwayne Carter have to have a huge game, right? You have to be able to muddy up the middle, don't give Trey Benson anywhere to run, and you have to be able to say that we're going to win up front, right? We're going to win uh, in, in the trenches. We're going to stop them. We're going to you know, maybe keep them off the field, win a couple – things you know win the time of possession that's another x's and o's that we have um and and just find ways to just win those little things and then whether or not you get riley leonard you can probably keep this thing close if you're able to run the ball on your side as well they got a lot of good runners there at duke uh jordan waters one of them and and so you know i'm thinking if they can run the ball and if they can win on the defensive side specifically in the trenches i think that puts florida state behind what they want to do not that they can have success through the air um, but just that it's not what they are built to do as a team is to just be a pass first, pass only type of offense. So if they can win in the trenches, uh, you know, I think Duke has a real shot in this game. I, you mentioned it, and and it's certainly going to be my key, I think, for Duke staying in this game. Regardless of if Riley Leonard is healthy, it's time of possession. Both of these teams are near the bottom statistically when it comes to time of possession. Uh, it's like 89th and 91st, I think, is, is where they're ranked. Um, so neither of them do a great job at hanging on to the ball for large swatches of the game. But if Duke is to win this game and upset Florida State, they're going to have to take care of the football. They're going to have to maintain drives. And I know at times Duke wants to go fast, right? But if you don't have Riley Leonard that's not going to be on the table. Uh, Henry Bielen throwing, you know, four of 12 is not going to get her done, right? Jordan Waters is going to have to be a mainstay. He rushed for 123 yards against the pack last week. That's a very good North Carolina State defense who, listen, I, I think a lot of us kind of expected NC State to at least hang around in that game, right? Without Riley Leonard, who is Duke? Well, we got to know the Blue Devils as a team last week when they shut out. North Carolina State, uh, or shut shut them down, I should say. They gave up three points, but shut them down. And they did enough on offense. Is that good enough to beat Florida State? Probably not, but it can give them a chance. And so uh, for that reason, I'm going to take a Duke plus the 14 as we move into our points. I, I agree. I agree with everything that you guys said. I don't know that Florida State has shown me what I need to to bury a good team um, you know, at home or on the road. And, and if I'm wrong about this, fine, totally great. Cause Florida state, uh, is my pick to win the ACC. They have the best chance at the playoff, uh, from that conference. In my opinion, we'll talk about North Carolina later. Uh, but you know, if, if Florida state comes out and has that prove it game, awesome. Put it on the resume. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think Duke gets buried easily either. That, that's the other side of the equation. I don't think that they play a style of football or have a culture that allows them to lose by a ton of points very often. That could get broken this week with all the injuries, but I, if it's my money, if it's my nuggies, whatever we're putting on it, I'm going to bet on Mike Elko keeping the game close. Yeah, well, I'm definitely on Duke with this one. Uh, if we want to go, I don't know, full predictions or whatever, but I'm yeah. I think we're all across the board. Just Duke plus 14. We've been talking about it. They're not gonna get buried in this one. They're too good of a team, too good of a defense. Um, and and I just I don't think that there's any way that they you know get blown out like this. It's a huge moment for Florida State. I think it's a game that they need to make a statement in if they're gonna, you know, kind of get that national respect. It kind of seems like they've been falling behind in terms of national respect. You've seen you know, Washington get a lot of love. Oklahoma get a lot of love with, you know, big wins over big teams. And Florida State's sitting over here like, well, I guess, you know, beating LSU by a bunch in that first weekend and then, you know, taking care of business against Clemson. I guess this doesn't really win us anything, right? And, and you know, that's partially true because they haven't looked all that good doing it, right? So this is kind of a statement win for them if they can. Um, but I, I think, you know, finding a way to cover that 14 would look really good for them on their playoff resume. Totally, totally agree. All right, well, you know, listen, as we look down the rest of the slate here, those are our big three. You might not see a lot of ranked matchups that really matter. We'll talk about one out west in the Pac-12 in just a moment. But, guys, a lot of group of five conference battles I think could be decided this week. And we'll talk about several of them. First, we have to start with James Madison at Marshall. Now, that isn't because James Madison can win the conference or do something spectacular this week in the standings. Because remember, the NCAA has a really dumb rule that as you transition up to FBS, you are ineligible for the postseason or a conference championship for the first two years. So James Madison should have won the Sunbelt East last year, should have had a really good uh, bowl game to go to after maybe claiming a conference championship. They didn't get that chance. They won't get that chance this year either, but it doesn't take away from what the Dukes are doing on the field. Three and a half point favorites at Marshall. This is Thursday night. Um, James Madison crushed Georgia Southern in their previous matchup. That was supposed to be a Sunbelt heavyweight, and, and the Dukes took the Eagles right out of it. Marshall got boat raced at home by Georgia State. That was also supposed to be a close game. So, Three and a half points for the Dukies is, is the current line. Do y'all have a, a leaning here? I'm leaning towards James Madison simply because they've just been dominant so far this year. They Every single game they've played, they have gone out there and taken care of business, and they haven't played a soft Sunbelt schedule so far either. They also played South Alabama, one of the favorites in the West. So I, I'm leaning James Madison here. I made it part of a ledger pick uh, parlay. James Madison minus three and a half, even on the road. Marshall's a tough place to play in the Sun Belt, but I think they get it done. Yeah, Trey, and at Troy, they won a big one there too. So there's 
couple big wins there for uh, James Madison. I'm all on James Madison this week. I think it's a tragedy. They're not allowed to compete and, and you know, try to go for their conference or go for a postseason berth or something like that. I think it's just awful. Um, again, kind of like we said last time, Mitch, just the NCAA clearly not looking out for players yeah. um, and their best interests. But, yeah, I just think James Madison's been too good. Uh, too much good quarterback play. They're the 27th ranked scoring offense going up against the 91st ranked scoring defense. Yeah. Give me James Madison. Give me points. Uh, I think this one will be a, a big, big win for James Madison. Yeah, I was really hoping Marshall would compete against Georgia State. Listen, that's a Panthers team that's that's come up and, and been very, very solid this year. Um, I, I, we have them on the run sheet a little bit later on. But, yeah, that, that was a weird – that was a weird game. And listen, Marshall's at home. That gives them the best chance, I think, to bounce back. But you mentioned the offense for James Madison. Marshall's not exactly known for their defense this season. Uh, James Madison is giving up about 21 uh, points a game. Marshall needs at least 30-plus, I think, to hang with the Duke. So I'll go James Madison minus the points on the road as well. Basically, until they lose, I, I think you're going to maybe get your money back uh, when you bet on the Dukes. Um, out to the Pac-12, and this game has a lot of conference championship implications, potential postseason implications, although, guys, I might start with a hot take here as we talk number 14 Utah at number 18 USC. The Trojans are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Hot take or not, USC was eliminated from playoff contention with their clunker last week against Notre Dame. I... I lean in a game that is defined by optics in a four-team playoff where we don't have true elite teams necessarily separating themselves one through four. I think LSU lost the eye test, and boy, that was a that was a frightful image that they gave the committee as they get ready to start deliberating. Three interceptions from Caleb Williams. The offensive line looked like they couldn't have blocked the JV squad. Um, and Alex Grinch is your defensive coordinator. I think I think truly USC eliminated themselves last weekend. I don't know that I would go that far. I think they're mathematically still alive. If they, look, if they win out, they will get into the college football playoff most likely because they'll have a win over Oregon, a win over Utah, a win over Washington, maybe two wins over Washington or Oregon. So, it, look, if they win out somehow – that that's going to be a tough, tough resume to beat, but they showed the flaws that are going to keep them out of the college football playoff and put them closer to the Alamo bowl um, or maybe even lower. So yeah, I had, did they eliminate themselves mathematically? No, but they showed everything, all the warts to yeah. the entire world that we, and I think most people knew were going to be exposed at some point. Yeah, no, Trey, you nailed that. I mean, it's, it's not officially eliminated, but, when you look at having to go to Oregon, you're playing Washington and a Utah team this week that, I mean, you can't really overlook them. They're not very good on offense and I don't think they win this game, but you know, it, it's still not a team you can overlook when they got the fifth best scoring defense. They don't give up very many yards through the air. You know, they're, they're really good at getting turnovers. This is just a good Utah defense um, that look, if, if Caleb Williams doesn't come out with his a game, this is what you could see again. I don't think that Utah is going to score 48, but they could hold them to 20. That's not off the table. And so, you know, I think that if if USC is serious about it, they got to come back with that focus. I think they will come back with focus, and I don't think this will be a particularly close game, but they have to be on their A game 
from here on out or else like Trey, you're right. Those warts will continue to come up and they won't escape back to back against Washington and Oregon. Do we know if Cam Rising's playing yet? No. Are we still on Cam Rising watch? Yeah. Every time I Google him, it's uh should he medical redshirt? Would he come back for a seventh year? Would he do all this stuff? Trey, like 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 the book Antigone, just let me bury my dead in this one. Okay, this is this is Cam Rising. He's done. He's not gonna contribute probably. The season's you know kind of done and dusted for Utah. It's just not a good offensive product right now. And if Cam Rising could come back at full strength, maybe you could get me to believe again. But if it's taken him this long, you're not gonna get a full strength Cam Rising on the field this year. I did not have Sophocles on my uh, bingo card for tonight's episode, but bravo. Uh, I will say Cam Rising is listed as the starter on the depth chart this week against USC. He has been all year. I know he has. Uh, (laughs) Maybe the most interesting element here is that Nate Johnson, despite Bryson Barnes starting last week, Johnson's listed as the second string. So, Maybe we should really just be asking Kyle Whittingham, like, hey man, what what is what's the secret sauce that, that you're on? Because this quarterback carousel, his strategy changes every single week. I, I may go against the grain here. And again, uh, you know, that's just kind of what I've done uh, a, a little bit this season. I'm gonna say Utah covers this. And Garrett, it goes back to what you said earlier. USC might only score. 21 24 if if you if utah can keep them within 30 points they've got a chance i don't know if a a chance at winning this but they do have a chance of covering because listen what what happened last week when caleb williams was struggling pass rush got in his face he made poor decisions and he threw three picks usc turning the football over is absolutely on the table again this week. I know that was in South Bend. I know the weather was terrible, but still there were some poor decisions made by that USC offense. Now, maybe they climb back on the horse and they show an elite defense. What's up in the Coliseum and they boat race Utah. I don't think that Nate Johnson, Bryson Barnes, I I don't even think Cam rising in his first week back can get this offense going at a level where they will compete at peak USC levels. But if that defense can throw enough junk uh, towards Caleb Williams, throw bodies, blitzes, disguise coverages, I think he's going to make more mistakes. And I think Utah can keep this a low-scoring affair. So give me the Utes uh, plus the 6.5 on the road. I think it's maybe closer than, than what some folks are initially thinking. Mitch, only reason I'm pushing back on this is you have to just appreciate how truly terrible the quarterback play has been for Utah this year. It, I'm looking at the stats right now. Nate Johnson leads the team in passing yards on the season with 499. Uh, Bryson Barnes is behind him at 398. Fuck. Those are like single games, and that's good single game. But those like single games, like Caleb Williams has thrown for 500 yards in a game before, yep. and Nate Johnson hasn't done that all season. Together, the two guys have four passing touchdowns on the year. Does Iowa have more passing touchdowns than Utah this year? I'd like to check Ooh. some of those stats maybe in real time. But it, look, it's it's not great in Utah. It's it's a bad, bad, bad offensive product. Um, and look, I mean, it's not to say this isn't a good team. This is a really, really good defense. But 
it, this is truly, you know, when you look at Utah's offense versus USC's defense, this is truly an unmoving force and an object that can't stop anything. <laughs> like this say, is truly one of like those situations. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's a strength, strength on the other side of the ball, but it is a weakness, weakness on that side of the ball. So I'm, I'm not optimistic. Even if USC scores 20 to 21 points, can Utah get to 10? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, I, I'm in on USC having fewer warts this week than Utah having fewer warts this week. So I think I'm going to take USC to cover as well. All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, that's a favorable position for, for you two guys right now. Uh, Clem, Clemson, <laughs> uh, minus three and a half at Miami. This is on the ACC network, gentlemen. It's been relegated. 7 p.m. Um, why? the masses should be deprived of watching Mario Cristobal find a way to screw up a surefire win. I don't know. I would love to see that in prime time, but regardless, uh, Clemson seems like maybe they've figured some things out offensively. Granted, they've had slow starts, uh, but then again, who hasn't this season? Miami, on the other hand, is looking for their first conference win at home under the tenure of Mario Cristobal. Garrett, does Cristobal get off the schneid and get that win against the Tigers, who are favored, as I mentioned, by three and a half? Nope. It's not going to happen. No, don't give me that. Um, No, look, Clemson hasn't been special on offense, but you're right. They are starting to play a little bit better. Not necessarily showing up on the scorecard uh, last week, at least. Um, I'm looking at their their result from the last game against uh, Wake Forest. You know, 17 to 12 ain't going to move the needle for me, but They've started to score some. They're starting to to kind of move some stuff along. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking there's a chance that they could, you know, come in here to Miami. And, and look, Miami hasn't necessarily been special either. They give up some stuff over the top. Uh, Clemson, I think, has more of a reason to believe in them right now. Um, and if for nothing else, then just we say, look, history is, you know, currently against Miami. At some point, the streak has to snap. Uh, but you're not going to do it against Clemson. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Too much talent across the field, um, and, and I don't think that Miami is going to be able to out-talent their way into this one. So give me the Clemson minus three and a half in this one. I, I don't think it's super, super close. may not be loads of points, uh, but I don't think that this game is is super close. Yeah, I, I'm glad I wasn't on the show last week because the take that I was going to bring in was that Miami would bounce back against North Carolina when no one expected them to, and I'm so glad I didn't officially lock that in on the show. Miami, it could spiral out of control if they don't get it done this week. I'm really concerned about that. There's always Neil Brown syndrome, right? We we never know when paying off team the team is going to be backed into a corner and figure it out. But I think the smarter pick here is Clemson. I think they get it done. Just better winning pedigree, finding a way to get it done, and yeah, they're figuring out a way to win with this team. I think, and that that's really really important. They've been figuring out a way to win, but Will Shipley has been driving that boat um, for a good percentage of the season. The Canes have the 10th best rushing defense in the country. That scares me uh, because we saw Miami has the ability to bring pressure off the edge and affect the quarterback. Klubnik hasn't exactly handled pressure well this season. You take away Will Shipley and you're telling me you've got to win this on the arm of Klubnik. It makes me nervous. So, guys, I, I've said that I'm not going to 
side with Miami until proven wrong. I'm still not taking them to win, but that hook is interesting to me. I think this is a low-scoring defensive game. Um, I, I think Clemson, I, I don't trust Miami's offense. I don't really, I don't know which Miami's going to show up on a week-to-week basis, right? But that hook has me leaning towards taking the Canes plus the points. I think Clemson wins this game. Cristobal, whether he mismanages it or, or just gets out coached, I agree. All the advantages on Clemson. But the defense for Miami at home, I trusted that template last week, two weeks ago. I've forgotten which. Oh, yeah, last week was my home field Saturday. Did pretty well with that in outright picks. So I'm going to go a solid defense at home. I'll take the Canes uh, plus the points. A game in which potentially no defense will be played. I don't know how much you trust Timmy McClain. Uh, let's look at UCF at Oklahoma, minus 19 and a half. Uh, are the Sooners as favorites? This is the 11 a.m. kick on ABC. Uh, Oklahoma's defense has played a lot better. I, I, I will certainly give them that. UCF has declined the option to play defense uh, this season. Oklahoma, I feel like, could win this by by 35, just as easily as uh, as by 20. I, I'm going to lean the Sooners here. I just don't know that UCF has enough to to stop Oklahoma from doing whatever they want. Yeah, UCF still searching for that first Big 12 win. I don't think they get it this week. Um, and But John Reese Plumley is back. So if you're looking for, you know, something to be an X factor here, especially with a 19-point line, John Reese Plumley is a really, really good football player, and this offense is kicked into a different gear when he's out there. So, you know, definitely could be a situation where UCF – scores a lot of points and Oklahoma just scores a lot more points because the USCF defense is bad. really, really bad. So I'm, I'm going to take UCF to cover here. I think John Reese Plumlee is a little too good to give that many points. I'll take him to cover. Yeah, guys, we might be underselling this Oklahoma defense eighth in the country in scoring 113 yeah. yards a game against them on the ground. That's not bad. That That's a, that's a really, really good margin, especially when you played a couple teams that can really run the football like a Texas, right? And since UCF, a lot of their game is based on running the ball. And, you know, if, if Plumlee is the quarterback and and that's his whole game is, you know, being the dual threat guy, I don't know that he, you know, gets as much as he normally would get on the ground. And guys, I think we might be underselling what Oklahoma is right now. Dylan Gabriel might be one of the more underappreciated players in college football at this moment. 16 touchdowns to just two interceptions, 1,800 yards, and a 72% completion percentage. Dude's just slinging it right now. He's doing what he needs to. Um, And and I think Oklahoma might be one of the more slept-on teams across the country right now. You know, they they had the bye week. They barely beat Texas, and we kind of forget that, you know, it was a really, you know, high-powered game and a really dramatic game on both sides. Oklahoma's rolling right now. They, They get to come off of their bye week and hit the, you know, second half of their season. I think it's a bad day for UCF. I think Oklahoma's going to roll this one. Going to be, you know, kind of in the blowout territory for them. And so, yeah, give me Oklahoma to keep running, keep being dominant. It's a revenge game for Dylan Gabriel, too. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, sixth ranked Sooners are up there for a reason. You highlighted it, Garrett. They're coming off a bye. Uh, I think the Sooners team is is going to be ready to circle the wagon numerous times on uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, out to the Pac-12 once again in the 2:30 slate. We've got number nine Oregon, 20-point favorites over Trey or Washington State. 
Cougars who um, the, the Ben Arbuckle Cam Ward experience, it takes yeah. some weeks off, man. And, and last week we were somewhere other than Tucson uh, taking on the cats that, that cover for me for Arizona felt relatively easy just because Arizona at home is a different beast. The 44 six shellacking surprised all of us. Uh, do they bounce back this week? That's going to be a, a pissed off Oregon team that they face. Yeah. I think they're running into a running into a hornet's nest here against the Oregon ducks. It might be a little bit like that, uh, meme where your team loses and you just take it out on NCA 14 and it's yeah. about 200 to nothing at uh, halftime. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that bad. And I think Washington state is going to put up quite a bit of a fight, but it seems like a matchup nightmare for the Cougars yeah. in this one. And I, I, I got Oregon winning pretty big. Yeah. I'm with you, Trey. This is just bad news for Washington state. Love the killer mentality for Oregon. Obviously the, the disappointment uh, and Mitch, we talked about this a little bit, just disappointment, but these are probably two of the best teams in the country right now um, with Washington and Oregon. And look, they're going to have to kind of do a similar thing. It is Washington State, right? So there's like the similarities there with it's the same state, and you're going to be doing a lot of the same things. And so, and look, look, it's just going to be a little, a little too familiar for those guys one week after the fact. Um, it, it's not going to be happy. It's not going to be a happy day for Washington State. Bo Nix is doing his thing. Um, Bucky Irving's been really, really good. Um, yeah, I, Troy Franklin catching the football. It, it's, it's a bad day for Washington state on Saturday. I think you both managed to compliment and insult Washington and Washington state fans with that comparison, <laughs> which is incredible work on your You're part. Welcome. Uh, yeah. The matchup nightmare listen, or Oregon's going to be, uh, Oregon could be living in that Washington state backfield. The Cougars cannot run the football. And uh, because of that, I think Dan Lanning has the boys ready to go. Um, Cam Ward might throw five interceptions in this game. It, it, it could get ugly. So I'll take Oregon minus the points as well. Uh, now, a critical game out in the SEC East. Uh, not not maybe for one team, although they're fighting for bowl eligibility. But Missouri are seven-point favorites against South Carolina. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on the SEC Network. This is a 6-0 and Missouri team who has dreams of a 10, dare I say, 11-win season, Garrett. We talked about that uh, on the recap show on Sunday. South Carolina is all kinds of mad. They blew what should have been a very winnable game against Florida at home. And then, oh, by the way, Shane Beamer went and kicked something that didn't give, and he broke his foot. Uh, so to say the Gamecocks are angry are riled up, are looking to spoil somebody else's day would be an understatement. Missouri has found multiple ways to win this season. We highlighted that as well. Do the Tigers move to 7-0 and against the Gamecocks? They they did lose to LSU. I do, I do want to throw that out there. Oh, I'm it's sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, it's all good. Um, they're having a fantastic season, just not quite uh, unblemished. 5-1, my bet. Yeah. So Let's I, go bowling. <laughs> On top of that, yes, I do think that they get the win this week. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Betting the over on a Mizzou game has been about as lock as you could get um, in college football betting sphere this year. So that would be my advice on this game. Listen, it was South Carolina not pissed off after losing to Tennessee or losing to uh, yeah. North Carolina or 
the other four losses that they've had this year. I, Shane Beamer's a great coach. I, I love Shane Beamer. I just don't think he has the horses this year. And I don't know. They do have a good secondary. That is the best unit on their team. So it could be interesting because that's the best unit on Missouri's team is that receiving core led by Luther Burden and Theo Weiss. But um, I think Mizzou gets it done at home. Could be a little bit of a shootout at first, but I think Mizzou pulls away late. Shane Beamer might be figured out. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this one, but hmm. he he might be a little figured out here. Um, look. He might guys, just not have a quarterback. That, that's also possibly <laughs> true. Spencer Rattler's been good. The rest he's, of the team He's sucked. been pretty solid. Um, yeah. Guys, Missouri averages 306 yards through the air. South Carolina gives up 321 yards in the air. You can almost lock in Brady Cook, you know, plus or minus, you know, 299.5 he's gonna hit that 300 mark um lock, lock it's in so the weird because their secondary is good they have good guys back apparently there. not well, well they're yeah, probably they, they talented right there, but they, but apparently the they're not there. Good like the sum the sum is less than you know a hundred percent yes the, the sum is much less than the parts. math ain't math and that's what i'm trying math to say ain't math. And basically guys at the end of the day missouri offense go brr and you know, South Carolina defense do not go brr. So I, I just think that this is going to be lots of points for Missouri. They're going to do what they want to. Also, South Carolina doesn't really run the ball. They average less than 100 yards on the ground. Um, just an ugly day, I think, coming for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, congratulations, Missouri. You're going to keep rolling on this one. I think South Carolina South Carolina has a little bit of a Texas A&M from 2022 vibe where they've got a lot of really great freshman on the team and i think as they age south carolina could be a problem in the east but it's not today uh, that the offensive and defensive lines are really not not good for the gamecocks um and oh yeah. and, and and missouri has found a way to be a little bit more physical this year um so i think it's another another matchup nightmare that we were talking about i like the tigers uh, i will say well. it you said the, the I like the AM comparison in terms of the you know just direct, but in terms of coaching, I said Shane Beamer was figured out, not washed. So let's let's yeah, at least right. give Shane Beamer a little bit of respect there. So there it is. There it is. Sad, sad days. It's a bye game. week, guys. We're not supposed to have to talk about this. Okay. Come on. <laughs> well then you better the Rangers are up 2 0 on the Astros. Why it's true. Our happiness is wrapped up in baseball right now and hockey and hockey. Um, to the Big Ten, I'm wearing an Iowa shirt. Let's talk the number 24 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, who, by the way, just lost another skill position player to a torn ACL. Tight end Eric All is out for they the have year. Skill position players? Allegedly. Allegedly. Why Why a tight end? Uh, well, I guess I, I know why a tight end would transfer to Iowa. Why anybody else on the offense would transfer to Iowa? I don't know. Uh, but they're three and a half point favorites against Minnesota. There is not a whole lot of row in the boat that's happening this season. The over under guys, it's 32 and a half. Garrett, last week, last week you said that we just needed to have a pride game, right? That that for the love of football, we needed to hit the over. You get round two, baby. You you could not have been more wrong last week. Uh, do we run it back this week? No. Iowa disrespected the game of football by not finding a way to combine with Wisconsin for 36 points. They didn't even get close. It was like 21. You think they're going to hit 32 with the 113th and 115th scoring offense? I don't. I don't believe in that at all. By the way, going back to the Utah question I raised earlier, 
Iowa has passed for more touchdowns this year than Utah. They passed for six. Utah has four. So just wanted to answer that question for the earlier segment. Um, Thank you for that research. That that does not matter, though. It truly does not matter. Neither team is going to be very good. Uh, I don't think there will be a lot of points in this one. Um, I, I will pick Iowa just because their defense is so dang good. Um, and that when you have two bad offenses, one of them, I, I think Minnesota's on shutout alert. Um, there's a chance they don't score any points in this one, but Iowa could probably win this one like six to nothing just to, you know, continue to disrespect the game that we love. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's not going to be very good. Um, it's not going to be very pleasant football watching. I would take the under even at this low, low number because, there's just not enough offensive talent on the field and there's not enough offensive, you know, prowess from Minnesota to cover that number. And I'm not going to take Iowa to carry the load. So yeah, give me the under Iowa wins. And I was going to go 10 and two guys at the very least, they might go 11 and one. And then they're going to roll into Indianapolis against Michigan, Penn state or Ohio state. And We're going to have to watch that in prime time on championship week and pretend like we have to talk about that game. Hey, this coming from the all football is good football guy, sir. Yeah, I I fully believe that. I would rather that be on my TV than anything else. But hey, you're going to get some good football on the other side of the field. Maybe yeah. if they don't just like play their third stringers for the entire game. For a half at least, league. you know, they got to go up 30 before they can put in their third strings. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, our friend from CBS, Shahan J. Raja, uh, tweeted this earlier today, and I can't believe it didn't blow up because I found this hysterical. He wrote, quote, fun fact, the five worst non-Iowa offenses in college football are combined three and 26 against FBS competition. Two of the wins came against each other. Iowa has the worst offense of them all. They are six and one. The Hawkeyes are literally breaking math. It's a tough scene. That's it. Yeah, same math. And, yeah. and yet, and yet, they are the favorites, hands down, to come out of the West. Shadow Realm isn't shadowing very hard this year, and that I'm I'm disappointed for. But um, and it's last you know, year. Yeah, it's not going out with a bang. It's not. We we missed our chance to print the t-shirts, it looks like. I, I have um, one more stat for you guys just really yes. quickly. In the last two years, Iowa has gone over and won the game. So not being carried by another team, just you know, scoring a ton of points against Power Five com- competition one time. Oh my! Oh no! <laughs> I was in the under. Uh, it's a good combination, maybe a match made in heaven. Um, who knows? Brian, Brian Ferentz is well behind his quota now. By the way, um, he goes ag- aggressively so. So yeah, uh, uh, hard conversations coming See over you, Brian. the Thanksgiving uh, table. I think. Um, Oklahoma state and West Virginia guys, this is a game between two, four and two teams who technically have a shot yes, at Arlington still. Um, you know, listen, I won't, I won't make you apologize for your red Raider takes, uh, on, on this show. Um, I, I made the joke before that this is the serve pro take of the year. Like it never even happened. Uh, the red Raiders probably won't get mentioned a whole lot more on this podcast, but two teams that frankly, we did not expect to be in this position, at least one of them, uh, in West Virginia, they have a chance to, to kind of take a leap back. Now, listen, they broke my heart. They broke the parlay from the very get go by losing to Houston on a hail Mary. 
if West Virginia had won the, that game, they were five and one with a legitimate chance to make it to Arlington. Neil Brown syndrome is real. Neil Brown syndrome is very real. There is no known cure um, that I'm aware of. I don't know if you guys have seen any research in that field, but I, I'm not aware of a cure to Neil Brown syndrome. And I think they get it done this week. I will say Oklahoma state has looked a lot better. They, they, we were kicking Mike and they don't, but they have Ollie Gordon who yeah. can do a lot of very fun things with the football in his hands. Um, and that's going to be a problem for West Virginia. So they're going to have to figure out how to deal with Ollie Gordon. West Virginia has been really, really good at home this year, though. They're, their two losses have come on the road. Something about Morgantown has been really good for them this year. Yeah, man, you just said it. I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this one to end up winning this. Um, maybe it's just I can't find a way to make myself pick West Virginia. But it seems like since Oklahoma State figured out that Ollie Gordon is their best player on offense, they, they've been, you know, a lot better. I want to read the game logs real quick. In the first three games, he had seven carries, nine carries, and three carries. His highest rushing output was 53 yards in those games. Mm -hmm. Since then, they gave him the ball 18 times for 121. They gave him the ball 21 times for 136. And they gave him the ball 29 times last week for 168. Also threw him the ball six times for 116. Had a yeah. pair of scores there. Dude's been catching fire. Tease up Ollie Gordon. I think they're going to do it again this week. He is the workhorse back. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And I think Oklahoma State finds a way to come out on top in this one. Yeah, Trey, I think you actually misheard me. I said Oklahoma State has found their quarterback. It's Alan Bowman. Oh, uh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's come on strong enough. Uh, they were talking about it in the Kansas State broadcast. Essentially, since they decided for sure that Alan Bowman is the guy, they've given him that confidence. He's been playing. He's been playing well. Threw for over 300 yards last week. Uh, a couple of touchdowns. Did not turn the football over. Crucially, I'm going to take Oklahoma State on the road as well. Um, something in I me need to catch the syndrome. There's no cure. And... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe Pfizer's working on a cure, but I don't know if there's a Pfizer cure to be seen in West Virginia. Uh, certainly, certainly not up in the mountains. Mitch, now um, we have to have a disclaimer on our podcast, man. Why'd you have to say the P word? <laughs> my, my bad. This uh, one's getting flagged, folks. Rub that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Oklahoma State, I'll, I'll take them plus the points. I, ooh, I don't believe in West Virginia. I just don't, I don't, I don't trust. I don't Neil trust. Neil Brown them. does not care. Neil Brown does not no, care. And, and he doesn't, he doesn't need to. And if he doesn't care his way all the way to Arlington, then I would love to watch that happen because we picked them to have what two wins this season. Yep. Um, West Virginia fans have a legitimate gripe with us this season as opposed to last. So, you know, listen, uh, all eyes 2024, baby. The series is tied at one. Um, we'll have the tiebreaker next season. Uh, mentioned that there were two other games in the group of five that have serious conference implications Toledo minus two at Miami of Ohio. This is on ESPNU. The next game is also on ESPNU. So very, you know, I know you probably go find that channel once a year to watch uh, ESPN The Ocho. Uh, tune in this Saturday. Uh, and let's start with Toledo, Miami of Ohio. The Rockets have an electric offense. I'm kind of leaning that it's too much for, for the Red Hawks to handle. Uh, yeah, Daquan Finn is a fantastic quarterback at the group of five level. Um Definitely leaning for the leaning towards the Rockets as well. 
But this is a big, big home game for Miami of Ohio. Two-point spread, I'll take the Rockets. Not so fast, my friends. Okay, look, I'm going Miami, Ohio on this one. I put this game in my ledger. And a lot of it has to do with the fact I wrote Miami, Ohio's preview all the way back when, back in May. And I've got one name for you to check on this one. Gage Larvadame. That's how you say his last name. It's a tough one to say. Gage Larvadame. He was my breakout candidate uh, for this for this team to see, you know, hey, he's going to be their big play threat. He's going to be their guy on the back end that's going to break a bunch of big plays. 23 catches, 487, 21.2 average for six touchdowns receiving. Love this from Miami. I think he's going to have a big game. I think he's going to show up in what is essentially a massive game uh, that will probably end up deciding the future of the MAC this season. So I think he's going to have a good one. Brett Gabbard's been pretty solid. I'm going to roll with the Redhawks, baby. They're playing some good defense up there, too. Miami's, yeah, I was going to say Miami of Ohio's defense is a top 30 unit this year, both in total defense and scoring defense. Toledo, though, is an offense unlike what they've faced. Uh, so far this season. Trey, you mentioned Daquan Finn. The other thing that makes me really nervous is Miami of Ohio's ability to keep up if they turn the football over. That's been a little bit of an issue this year. Uh, They're towards the bottom of the country in turnover margin. I'm going to take the Rockets at home, but then again, I took Ohio last week to, to beat Northern Illinois. Really didn't give that a second thought. Figured, hey, Ohio is a much better team. And then Northern Illinois proved why the Mac is just crazy and uh, and went out and beat Ohio handedly. So honestly, you kind of throw the stats out the window when it comes to a big Maction game. Uh, we could see a variety of outcomes. Wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if the Red Hawks win this, get an inside track uh, to Detroit. Hey, real quick, uh, you said they hadn't faced an offense like this. My good sir, they beat Cincinnati on the road for whatever <laughs> that's worth. Like you said, they have not faced an offense. It's okay, well, they played Miami and got boat raced in week one, so it's worth a uh, it's worth a victory bell that they hadn't claimed since what two thousand four, two thousand five. It's been so a little while, yeah. There's there's that, uh, but yeah, the last <laughs> time they the last time they played a competent offense, they were seen getting run out of out of Coral Gables. But this is going to be a must watch game, though. Like you got to watch this game. It's going to be awesome football. I agree. Uh, Trey, we might have to, to requisition a TV and throw it on the U, baby. Um, last game of the night, Georgia State at Louisiana. This one has Sunbelt uh, implications out of the West that I don't think we really expected preseason. Uh, Louisiana was a team that was on our contender status, but they they started out the season so shakily that we immediately discounted them. Now you come to the middle of the season, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites against a Georgia State team that crushed Marshall on the road last week. Uh, Y'all have a leaning here? I'm leaning the visitors here. I I really like what Georgia State's doing on offense this year. And Louisiana, really great story. They've they've rebounded nicely from a struggling year last year. They still made a bowl game last year, I think. But they're back towards the top of the conference like they had been under Billy Napier. And I, I just, you know, when, when Texas State went in there and I picked Louisiana, I said, I just don't know that this is the type of game that Texas State is ready to win. I feel the same way about Louisiana in this game. I feel like it's just one step too high to ask them to win this game. Even though they're favored, I still like Georgia State at home. Georgia State's going to be a problem for everybody in the Sun Belt this year. 
And I think that travels. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't think Georgia State has a very good defense. Uh, they certainly Terrible. don't defend the pass very much, uh, but they can really run the football. That travels. Uh, so I'm going to take Georgia State as well in this one. You know, they got they got a lot of rush attack that I think they're going to be able to take advantage of here. Um, you know, Marcus Carroll's got over 700 yards and 10 touchdowns. So um, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I think Georgia State ends up winning this one. But it, like, kind of like you, Trey, I'm not massively confident. I'm not going to say like I'm going to you know stop my you know stop my foot over this one. But I lean Georgia State this one. Line is close for a reason. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette cannot stop the run. Um, Georgia State can't stop anybody, but in a game where they might be able to put it on the ground, shorten that game, dictate uh, the pace of play a little bit like they did against Marshall, I agree. Maybe the Panthers are road warriors this season. Uh, They're a fun team to watch, and uh, hey, the Sun Belt just continues to deliver week in and week out. I'll go with the Panthers as well. That makes all three on Georgia State. So, you know, congrats to Louisiana, I guess. Guys, that'll wrap our week eight preview, Trey. I think your title card says it the best. Slow the season down, man. It is disappearing in the blink of an eye. Uh, Real quick, before we get out of here, do y'all have just kind of like a biggest takeaway so far from, from the first eight weeks? For me, it's parody. Like this feels like the biggest parody season. I know we've said that a lot. I know a lot of college football shows are talking about that, but it rings true. Uh, like this is one of the best seasons for parody that we've seen. And I think those little demons that a lot of people don't like NIL and the transfer portal can be thanked for that. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. They cannot be thanked, however, for and maybe there's other factors here that we've talked about extensively. My big takeaway is, man, rip the Pac-12. I'm yeah. just so sad that we're going to be missing out on this conference. It's given us some of the best games so far this season. Uh, and, man, I'm just – I'm bummed that we're not going to have it again next year. Uh, I agree. I, w- I was going to say, like, you look at what the Pac-12 has given us this year. It's certainly, as the SEC has taken a little bit of a step back. And, boy, like, if you could just go back in time and tell George Klyovkov, take the deal. Take – do not pass on the TV deal – with the big letter networks, we might be fine. And now USC, UCLA might still be going, but hey, that's okay. You telling me you're building a conference around Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, Utah, and then the Arizona, at least Arizona, I don't know about Arizona State, but guys, that's a healthy conference. You lose the Southern California schools, so what? We'll add some other competition, we'll figure it out. That conference would be a live and thriving and moving towards a much bigger deal as we expand the playoff to 12 teams. It, it's just truly unfortunate that Larry Scott is going to sink sink a conference that was was alive and well. And and honestly, we took a little bit for granted. Um, so that's, that's my big takeaway. There's a real chance that if we had the 12-team playoff format this year, that the Pac-12 would get three teams in. I yeah. think they would. Yeah, I think they absolutely would. How about how about that? Um, yeah, actions have consequences, and uh, that's that's unfortunate. On that note, though, don't be depressed. Go enjoy your week eight of college football. Let us know, of course, uh, who you're rooting for this week, which of our takes were a little too spicy for you. Feel free to drop those in the comments. Join us on our live show Saturday night as well. We'd love to talk ball with you. A full week eight slate to react to. 
And like I said, we will be doing it live over on YouTube. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging with us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. How about that?